Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Guy. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dog two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good luck. You won't see it for long. Two on home run. Trevor Story. Lock. End zone. Touchdown. Number two for Sutton. Really going so smoothly already. So far, so good. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> this rocks. It's the second most talking to ourselves. It's beautiful. And here we are. A special edition of TDSP, the Denver Sports Podcast, with this amazing crew of people i assume we are on air though i was promised intro music that never arrived and before you guys didn't hear any music we heard none of it no we were i was jamming back here to some music ali you have to have your camera on to be on the show um (laughs) it's true and uh before i i introduce everyone I got to tell you about Zoom Care and uh, the ability to never sit in a doctor's office again. You heard that right. If you hate going to the doctor like the rest of us, check out Zoom Care. The one great thing we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to mo- do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter. But we all need to take care of ourselves. So, what is video care? Video care is like a trip to Zoom Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent, primary, and specialist care, including mental health care. Video care is covered by most private insurances, usually with a copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's zoom, Z-O-O-M, 
C-A-R-E dot C-O-M. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc sitting in your own living room. And remember, supporting our partners is supporting us. So help them out to help us out. Here we go. An eventful week in Denver sports. We'll get into that in segment three. But we had the Goaties last night. Very eventful. And uh, this cast of uh, trained killers is here to viciously debate those awards because we picked the nominations. You, however, pick the winner. So uh, it's time to, uh, you know, scold you for your picks or or reward you for your picks, however that may be. And we're really, there's the thread, all the winners. It's fantastic. Go to YouTube to check out the whole show. It was a blast. I think the most controversial and where I want to start, though, is Newcomer of the Year. Some fine nominations here with Daniel Barr, arguably the best story of the year. Andre Burakovsky, who I'm partial to because Andres and I always stand by each other. MPJ, who was the, the odd betting favorite. And Carl Durrell, a phenomenal story in its own. Burrow wins this one and a uh, bit of controversy in the office. So uh, your thoughts on this, folks? Well, <laughs> is the controversy that MPJ was a two-time nominee? Or is yeah. it a, mm-hmm. the controversy that he didn't win? Because I think both of those things could be true. Even the controversy is debatable, which tells you how controversial this award was in the first place. To me, the winner was kind of controversial, besides the controversy of how we came to those nominees in the first place. Yeah, I remember, I, I think it was a basketball game. Maybe maybe it was a football game. We were watching at the bar a few weeks ago, and... Me and Dre and D-Line got into a kind of heated conversation about whether MPJ should even be eligible for this. I thought pretty firmly that he should not be eligible because he isn't a newcomer. Like, he's maybe new to being allowed to be impactful if you wanted to, but in terms of the way that newcomer works, you have to be new. And he had already been around for a year, and so that to me was the big controversy. And we'll get into the Darrell snub in a sec. AJ? Yeah. Yeah. On the episode, you argued for MPJ, but with some distance, you've uh, publicly argued for Burra, who ends up winning. So, uh, what's what's your official stance on this now that yeah, so some time? like I thought MPJ would have been a perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he as like a newcomer, right? He was he was great. My only my only uh, my only objection was that he was a two time nominee for a newcomer of the year, like. Right. It's like you can't be nominated. I'm, I'm actually on AJ and everybody's side in this. People think I'm not, but I am. It's like you can't be nominated for new artist of the year two years in a row. Like newcomer of the year equivalent to new artist of the year. You know, like Drake can't win new artist of the year twice, like 10 years ago. He just can't. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, Drew, as our voice of reason here, where do you fall? Yeah, I, I I was the same. I I, I never understood why MPJ was yeah, <laughs> included yeah, in this. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. it, it, you know, like in uh, in baseball we have the there there's like the cutoffs for when you can no longer be a rookie, right? Because that can be kind of confusing with September call-ups and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But it's like once you pass fifty innings pitched or a hundred plate appearances, or they've moved around. I can't. Those my those are probably old. <laughs> a couple of CBAs ago, I'm getting old, as Michaela reminded me, uh, but. <laughs> Because I know who Bruce Springsteen is. 
yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, wow, uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, you can't win rookie of the year two years in a row. You just can't. And so, uh, newcomer of the year, uh, I think the electorate rightfully held that against MPJ. Mm. Mm. Uh, I, I like the Burakovsky pick here just because certainly he played a huge part in my newcomer of the year status to being a hockey fan and so like he was just he's so great to watch so i really enjoyed that i i gave my best pitch for the daniel bard story but you know no one obviously no one was voting for anything rockies they gave some the social media team some love and said screw the rest of that organization we don't care burn it all to the ground so yeah i am i'm confused about like the carl Durrell movement when daniel bard exists like if your argument MPJ can't be can't be there because he was already nominated or Burakovsky shouldn't count because he technically started his abs career in 2019, fine. You remove both of those, and Daniel Bard still should smoke Carl. What, what happened with Carl Durrell? And like that's nothing against Carl Durrell. It's just that the Daniel Bard story was one of the best, not only in Colorado sports but in that's all right. of sports. It's yeah. the comeback story of the year where you just get really excited about a guy that was left. His career was over and not like recently over. It had been over for a while and he comes back and he ends up like he starts out the season. Oh, he's a middle reliever. And then as the bullpen just implodes and he just continues to be aces, the guy moves into the closer position and does just fine with it. Like the guy with the guy was awesome. And he actually, you know, abbreviated season and all but he was he was great in his role and there's no there's the the only asterisk is that it was a short season so he didn't have a chance to get course fielded right yeah and my other beef with how the nominations are picked starts with you henry and how the buffs nominations were picked because i would have argued jarek broussard was the real newcomer of the year for the buffs with the kind of historic numbers he put up but your argument is technically he's not a newcomer at all he'd been on the roster for two years and and that's my thing and and the daniel bard case i I think i i know and i said the same thing like i don't think that he should have been eligible but the daniel bard thing is a good argument and i i totally agree that he should be rewarded and it's one of the great stories in denver from the last year at the same time though it isn't an award for most improved or best story it's an award for the the newcomer of the year, the guy who yeah. came in, and Daniel Bard certainly had a big she positive did. impact. Carl Durrell, though, he took this team to four and one. He took them to a bowl game for the second time in the last 13 years. It, it was too big of a movement, too much momentum with Carl for me to give it to a, a guy who played well, but, I mean, it wasn't enough to, to change the trajectory of the season for Colorado. How many how many games did the Buffs play this year? Do we count the bowl game? <laughs> yeah. Five regular season, six okay, with the bowl, bowl game. <sighs> the Rockies played six. I was gonna say so, 60 I mean, baseball games. You uh compare it, man. Like baseball played less than half a season. Yeah. College football played exactly half a season. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah, it, I mean, it's an asterisk year. I think, I think one job is a well lot harder than the other. Argument well made. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think, I I think being a cult, 
Being a closer for the Colorado Rockies is a lot harder than being a head football coach for the Buffs, especially when all you have to do is coach five what? games. And then they earned the sixth game in which they got waxed. Allie, make a note. Toughest jobs in Denver sports. That's a phenomenal debate. Oh, it's going to be a <laughs> Holy yeah. cow. That I do think Colorado amazing. Rockies closer is, is among the toughest. Because like, <laughs> it, it, it's just the task in front of you is almost impossible. At the same time, though, CU Buffs head football coach. It's not like that's a Probably dream job. Up there too. Yeah, being a head coach for a college football team. Come on, now that is a hard. Yeah, I'm with I, didn't, I didn't say it was an easy job. I just yeah. said one of them is historically difficult, and the other one is being the head coach of the Buffs. But it was like, if you look at the results, though, you could make a, a good case for the bus being historically difficult to, yeah, to turn and around. It's also the case that you would make where had they had enough season, they wouldn't have made a bowl game. Being, being a college head coach was historically yeah. difficult this year, though. No summer offseason yeah. program. He comes into the job like nobody wanted Carl Durrell as the head coach of Colorado anyway. He was like the seventh, eighth choice. That also made his job easier because there were no expectations. A single win over Colorado State would have been would have made the whole season a success for everybody, right? And unfortunately, we didn't get to see it go down. At the same time, though, you know, Daniel Bard, it, it's again, he played half a season as as well. You know, he just as easily could have fallen off. And I would almost say that, given what we saw from the Buffs playing with the best defense in the Pac-12, at least top two, an offense that basically nobody could stop. You, you have one of the best running backs easily in the conference. And he's, we were looking through the list yesterday after the draft pod, he's one of the top 10 returning backs in the country. Now, like so many good things are happening after zero spring practices. Meanwhile, Daniel Bard, like, yeah, he was good, but like newcomer Durrell, year, good, biggest good impact. He did a good job. Like <laughs> I just, what Daniel, what Daniel Bard did is something that you just don't see. Carl Durrell going four and one and then getting waxed in a bowl game isn't like a rare feat. Except for Colorado, it is. <laughs> in the last 20 years, it is. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, okay. I mean, that's. I mean, there's an argument to be made there. I like that we're debating the third and fourth choices. If I can go back to the one and two, <laughs> because to what me, else, the man? MPJ Burakowski forgetting the oversight of and nominating MPJ at all in 2019 was a classic <laughs> peak versus longevity, um, peak versus longevity debate mm. that we have in Hall of Fame discussions. It's the classic like Terrell Davis over Curtis Martin type of debate. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you, had he not been nominated the year before I would not have made such a public display of pushing for Berkey in that one award specifically. Cause I think that was the only award where I was like, you better vote for the abs because Harrison newcomer of the year with the most memorable moments. I think we wouldn't debate that is Michael Porter jr. Well, you could, you might, you could also make a case that last year was Jeremy Grant. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., he had a big January. Yeah. He had a monster showing in the seeding round. Yep. Two 30-point games. Had a couple big games in the playoffs, but Jeremy Grant definitely made a bigger impact mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Um so yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's tough, but I think you know Jeremy Grant could have been the nominee. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And I know, AJ, you guys on the outside had uh, plenty of debate because it wasn't just Berkey in the running, but, you know, uh, Kadri yeah, I mean, and Donsley for sure. Yeah, I mean, we had the, the, the Berkey versus Kadri conversation was actually pretty tough for us. Um, and then, like... Uh, What'd that come down to? It, honestly, for me, it came down to production. Um, especially in the postseason, like postseason, the, 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 the production in the regular season was pretty much right next to each other, but the postseason production Berkey was like double cadre. Right. Yeah. So. That's undeniable and expectations once again, right? Berkey, we did, uh, he's kind of an analytics darling. We'll see how he works. Cadre yeah. was the big signing. And once you start to weigh those expectations, similar to, what we've talked about with guys like Bard and uh, Carl Durrell, then Berkey definitely gets the advantage. Yeah. Those are my guys. That's a big win for you and the spinny goal hive, Drew. That's, yeah. That was, Very yeah, big. That was, yeah. Also, Kadri with the intangibles. Got to love that. Mm. That it, man. Mm. No, no doubt. for Josh Fuentes in this category, though. I was going to ask on the Rocky <laughs> side, that was the other debate, huh? Was Josh Fuentes? We thought about it. Once, I'm once glad we you went with Daniel Bard. Yeah. Very, uh, very <laughs> glad you went with Bard. Yeah. yeah, I think next year we'll want to push for best story too, so we can give guys like Daniel Bard a little more shine. Um, as far as the other awards that I want to hit on in this first segment, we had Bedney, our first ever back to back best dressed. <laughs> To me, a little controversial because he let the hair go um, this year, but someone got worse in their category uh, and, mm, mm, and still took the award. We had we had a couple of back to backs, right, with Rocky's Twitter winning social media and then Bedner yeah. getting best dressed. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, so now, now it's established. Those are the kings. You got to come for that crown. The kings are the goaties. I like that you said this, Drew his best dressed has decreased from a year ago. And this, I think, is what really hurt Jokic in his nominee for Athlete of the Year or the Avs in their nominee for Team of the Year. Not the same standard for the head coach. That should be noted. Um, as AJ mentioned, Rockies repeat in the uh, best social two years in a row. And as Drew said, that's the only love the Rockies organization got probably probably going to the right people, I would yeah. say in this case. And um, no debate here, quote of the year, um, you know, with just everything surrounding the Jamal Murray moment. Um, when, when was that? What game was that, Harrison? Games after game six against, against the Jazz. Right. Um, uh, uh, can I say something about best dressed? Please. Please do. Somebody um, has to. <laughs> you are the authority on this uh, panel, I think, as far as best dressing. Coaches should not be under consideration for best dressed. Mm. Uh, it, it should be a player-only award. Uh, like NHL coaches, everyone wears a suit. It's tough to look bad in a custom-tailored suit, if yeah. we're being honest. Yeah. Um, NBA coaches now just wear like team-issued Nike half-zips. Like they're, They all wear the same thing. NFL coaches have somehow been able to wear sweatpants for like all the time, which is just incredible. Like more power to them. Baseball so um, coaches wear a freaking uniform. So just coaches, coaches should not be under consideration for best dress. It should be a player only award. That's my uh, two cents. 
Yeah, but then we would have nominated Landeskog, and this would have been a landslide the other way. <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> I, would have, I would have been fine with that. I would have been fine with that. Just it's saying just that they're going to vote for the unicorn of a human. Not a good set. Couldn't we have given a good send off to like Big Z with the best dressed? He doesn't wear socks, so no. Mm. But <laughs> say, and then, see, now I'm starting to wonder is it the problem with our nominations or really us being the people in charge of the nominations? Because I, I don't really blame the voters for picking Bedner, even though, like, you look at that picture that we put up there white shirt, gray tie, like blue suit whatever this is congrats on putting that together that that doesn't impress <laughs> and and you even said like it is it hard to put on a, a well-tailored suit and make it look good it is for jared bednar he, he put on that camo suit and it was awful like i'm not sure if we need to have a rule that says coaches can't that was win. a that was I a take special night though. though like he wore that he wore that suit once in honor of whatever the special evening it was was for. Oh, it was Wasn't military like, appreciation night. Still. And so he wore okay. it for that. Like, he didn't yeah. he didn't like throw it on and be like, hey guys, can you see me? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was, it was like night. woods camo and not like military camo. Yeah, I'll point out. yeah it, it was, was like a, a, <laughs> it was a jacket. Like he's a good boy, good old boy from Saskatchewan, man. You gotta roll with what you got. And but what is he doing having that? Like what, what you got shouldn't doing? include a camo suit. He definitely just he... asked somebody to go get him a camo suit, and that's what they came back with. Oh, I'm true. officially petitioning for a worst dressed candidate yeah. category next year, Ooh. and it's all the specialized jerseys. We're just we're playing right into it. It's all the camo for you, Hank. By the way, ladies <laughs> listening. The man who just unleashed an are we the problem is still single. So I'm just like <laughs> those kind of insights are are available on the market. And then we closed it out with your golf partner, uh, Mark Moser, coming through with Justice Served on Best Call, Hank. Um, yeah, I, I, I like those categories. I think uh, those were won by the right ones. And I'm glad we got to get into the newcomer. Um so yeah, before we move on to Athlete of the Year, where I think there's plenty to unpack, uh, you know, it, the good folks at DraftKings Sportsbook, everything is on the table with those people. Right now, Henry, we just added draft props. So uh, I was prepping for the show, or I would have been tweeting about those at nauseum right now. We have Deshaun Watson to the Broncos odds. We have all sorts of stuff to get on it, get in on our guy. Curtis blades is going to be in the main event this Saturday in the UFC. We've got nuggets playing tonight against the lowly Cavs. We've got the ads uh, without a roof over their head on Saturday. If you're not in on all these games on DraftKings Sportsbook, I don't know what you're doing, frankly, especially when you can put in code DNVR and they will give you a first deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars. As I said, it's not just betting. It's being able to get all this data, being able to get all the specials, the rumors on the draft, the rumors of where Deshaun Watson's going to land, adjusted odds on ads to win their division. It is a blast. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code DNBR for new customers to get a shot at $100. 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restriction supply, winning, winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. And we get into, you know, I, I, I love that we had the little pods in the, the goatees uh, with us being able to debate these categories. And I think in the team of the year panel, AJ really said it best. The Avs had game seven. They were up and uh, they couldn't pull through to advance to the Western Conference finals. When you can't yeah. pull that off, you don't deserve to be team of the year. So I thought team of the year was pretty clear cut for the Nuggets. Um, and again, go check that out on YouTube where we break all that down and have a fun debate. But athlete of the year, I think not just with the winner, but with the actual candidates we had, we can get into a lot more. Of course, the candidates were Nathan McKinnon, the star center for the Colorado Avalanche, Garrett Bowles, who had just a tremendous season and one of the great like bounce back stories i think this decade in colorado sports jamal murray who we talked about great quote and just some incredible moments in the bubble in the nba and jerick broussard who does get his dues here henry even though i would have had him in newcomer of the year as well i thought it was a bit of an upset to see mckinnon win this one what were your reactions the right i mean i think the right guy won I didn't. I didn't think that it was really all that close, given the candidates. Um, no offense to Jamal Murray, but mm -hmm. there was also a regular season that took place, yeah. and Nathan McKinnon finished second place and in, in in the MVP trophy, and arguably deserved to win the thing. So, mm -hmm. I think that was the you know, and and look, Jamal Murray was amazing in the bubble, but he. You you compare their regular seasons and Jamal Murray's not within. I mean, he's not even the same zip code as what Nathan McKinnon did. Right, and I think, I think the Jamal Murray argument um, is probably that his peak in twenty twenty might have been higher than Nathan McKinnon. Like yeah. maybe McKinnon was at a super high level for obviously longer than Jamal Murray was over the entire season, but. Like at his peak, um, like Jamal Murray was just like incredible in the highest leverage situation in yeah. the NBA playoffs. And taking a team on two, three, one comebacks, I mean, there's never going to be a better story in the NBA playoffs ever than that, probably, unless the team comes back from like a three zero comeback twice. Um, being at the forefront of that and just like the most the most ridiculous comeback uh twice in like an nba playoff series that that's his argument probably i mean nathan mckinnon they played 15 postseason games and nathan mckinnon scored in the first 14 of them uh he was yeah. leading the postseason and scoring like he put himself in a conversation with wayne gretzky with what he was doing in the postseason so Performing in the highest of leverage situations, Nathan McKinnon also did it. So yeah. I think I, I mean I, with McKinnon winning it. Yeah, like I I think that's probably what pushed McKinnon over the top is that the regular season he smokes Jamal Murray, but both of them were absolutely exceptional once the playoffs started. Yeah. Once the spotlight really got put on him, 
they both went ballistic. Yeah, um, I guess you really get into some of the like regular season. Only so much of the regular season was played in 2020, you know. Yeah, right. And then you know, quality of opponents. The Avs kind of got you know an easier look in round one, where he could kind of feast and pad some stats there. Imagine um, if it worked that way, like in the Oscars or the Grammys or something like that. If like the first third of your movie like just didn't count. It's like, no, he played that part of the season in a different year. <laughs> just like, it's kind of one of those weird, interesting things we do when we're trying to like cut the year off and be like, no, we're only counting this stuff that you did. Right. But it's but, way more important stuff. That's the thing. Like, yeah. the playoffs is just so much more important than the That's regular the thing, season. right? Yeah. Not even 50 points is a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 <laughs> The, I remember AJ talking about, you know, when we were talking about how Larry Walker got into the Hall of Fame and didn't have a ton of those moments, you know, which mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with. And I think Jamal has the moments argument here where it's just like he yes. had as, – as great as McKinnon was, it was like the games they were winning, they were destroying people. And then the games they lost, it's because they just didn't have enough warm bodies, right? Whereas well, the game It's weird that it would be held against Nathan McKinnon. That totally, he right? The utter destruction of another <laughs> team in the playoffs. Right. Like that they put they back to back Brazil an NHL oh. team in the postseason. Right. Right. But it, it is that they needed all of those 50 points from Jamal and every like ounce of his emotion. So the moment just felt bigger because there's no moment in an eight to two waxing. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, I'm like, you. I, McKinnon yeah. should have won this, but, uh, but Jamal had those <laughs> moments, man. He, I think when we look back on this year, right. When the documentary of Denver sports is made at 2020, like the Jamal by moments, by <laughs> when we make that documentary, <laughs> uh, those Jamal moments will stick out in people's mm-hmm. minds more than any moment from McKinnon. Yeah, they, great, they great were year. they were like more dramatic. Jamal's moments yeah. were dramatic, and AJ said McKinnon was in you know the conversation with Wayne Gretzky for what he did in the playoffs. I mean, Jamal Murray was in the conversation with Michael Jordan for what he did over games um, four, five, and six. Yeah, he dropped 142 combined points in those games. Only Jordan and Jerry West um, have dropped more. So, like, that's the kind of conversation Jamal Murray was in. I would I think also this- say, though, the, the consistency helped because it was every night with McKinnon. And you say, oh, over games four, five, and six. What the hell happened to the first four games? Like, you know, like they, they also got played. He was also in those games. And where McKinnon was also in those games, you know, if McKinnon gets an extra three games against Arizona, who knows what his statistical profile ends up looking. The guy might have led the postseason in scoring – and only played two rounds. As it was, he ended up. I, I think he ended up fifth in postseason scoring, and he played. He played two rounds. Yeah. yeah. Chris. Also, while we're talking about stats, uh, I think it's worth pointing out Jarek Broussard. He outpaced Colorado's. Yeah, he did. He outpaced <laughs> Colorado's only Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, the yeah. only player ever in college football history with more hundred yard games consecutively to start a career is Adrian Peterson. Uh, there was only one player in all of college football group of five power five who had more rushing yards per game than Jarek Roussard did this season. 
he's no slouch in this conversation because on top of that the buffs had uh, the the second best finish they've ever had in the pac 12 again shortened season all that but uh, while i do think that nathan mckinnon is the winner here jarek deserves a little bit of credit for all that victim of the short season because if he had done that across 12 games dude we we'd be freaking out about it like the whole country would have lost its damn mind over a guy with that kind of production 100 percent. the the only thing i'll say about murray and something that's also super impressive about what he did he played pretty much the same amount of minutes in the playoffs that lebron did despite lebron playing five more games which is like ridiculous the load he had to carry that's insane yeah and i think it really did come down to the um moments there was a, a gravitas a weight to what murray did while it was just like consistent dominance from mckinnon harrison what was your guys thinking as you debated murray over Jokic? because i think there's a bit of a peak versus longevity argument that could be made here as well well i think it's what we were just talking about earlier the moments we're going to remember we're going to remember jamal murray's just like i said games four five and six um, his post-game speech after game six, we're going to remember that more so than Jokic's just unbelievably consistent play throughout the playoffs, however right or wrong that might be. Yep. Like Jokic was the Nuggets' best player in the playoffs. He was better than Murray over uh, the 14, over the 19 games that they did play in the playoffs. Uh, he was better in the regular season portion that fell in 2021. Um, he, he was just better, but the moments we're going to remember, uh, the the highlights that are going to be shown, it's going to be Jamal Murray. So um, he was the star of the bubble. He just was for those moments. Yeah, yeah. definitely. The, I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, Jokic was putting up bird magic, better numbers than bird and magic were in their 25 year old season in the playoffs. And those guys are like some of the best young players in NBA history. Um, and, and then closes out 2020 by averaging a triple double. So, you know, like the tail ends of Jokic's 2020 are insane, but I think what in my mind promotes Murray over McKinnon and over Jokic is like Murray hit a new peak. He just didn't just hit like a next level. He like upped his game like two, three levels. Well, you know, it sounds spoiled, but uh, McKinnon and Jokic, it's kind of par for the course. Same as usual. We've seen this all before. Um, so, I mean, fair or unfair, that's uh, that's how that broke down, though. Um, and yeah, moment of the year. Uh, how did that come out? Were you upset that Larry Walker didn't win this, Drew? Yeah. Okay. So this is one of those. Again, I I think if the Rockies had a chance to win, like something uh, big and meaningful. No disrespect to the social media team, but a little more uh, meaningful mm. to Rockies fans and the Rockies community. <laughs> it would have been moment of the year, and I, I've got no no problem with it going to the big game seven win over the Clippers. There is a way for me to frame it though to say that you know the. Nuggets won a quarterfinals game and the Colorado Rockies organization got validation and a, an entire career was validated. The very first member of the organization in any capacity 
no manager or front office, nobody who just like put on a uniform for half a season and hung out. No member of the Rockies has been enshrined in the most difficult Hall of Fame in all of professional sports to get into. That it came down to his very last opportunity. He's either in or out. That's the, you know, the equivalent of your you're down by three, but the bases are juiced and someone hits a walk-off grand slam. Like, that just almost never happens to get in by the small number of votes that he did. I, and again, I, you know, I, I do think this is a bit of a toss-up. When we do the documentary years mm-hmm. from now, we'll talk about both of these things. But the Larry Walker, like, it's a massive moment for him, for baseball, for the Rockies organization. And I know it doesn't bring that like just immediate catharsis of how good you feel when your team wins a game. And ultimately sports at the end of the day are about winning and losing. And, and, and I get it, but I do think there's a handful of things in sports that are just a little bit bigger than wins and losses. And the major league baseball hall of fame is one of those things, at least to me. And I, I know I'm biased in that case and that it was such an uphill battle to get him in there. I, I, I won't again. I won't say I was disappointed because I think this was a very deserving moment. But I, I, I think it's just being under. I think it's sad that because the Rockies are in such a terrible state right now, yeah. that moment maybe just isn't getting the kind of love, or maybe even people aren't able to feel the joy about it. And maybe that's even sadder than anything. Not that it didn't win. It's that people couldn't even bring themselves to vote for it because they're just so pissed at the Rockies right now and like. That's what sucks. Yeah. I think Drew hit the nail on the head. Yeah. If there wasn't so much bullshit going on with the Rockies right now, for sure. That moment would have been celebrated a lot more. And look, the first Rocky to ever go into the Hall of Fame, that's major. Yeah. That's, right. that's that's absolutely major. That's that's huge. So I, I think Drew's on to something there. I mean, game seven over the Clippers was big. The 3-1 comeback, and also because if you guys remember, the Clippers were the favorite by a lot of people to win the NBA championship last year. It wasn't the Lakers at the start of the season. It was the Clippers. I picked the Clippers to win the championship last year. So um, that's a big thing that Nuggets have going for them. But I'm with Drew to an extent there. Yeah, definitely the most, like, not just joyful and gratifying moments and kind of at tail ends of the year – but like legitimizing moments. Because if you're a Rockies fan, it didn't just come down to this one day. This was like a fandom in the making leading up to this moment. And in a similar sense, the Nuggets winning game seven felt similar. Like how much suffering have I been through as a Nuggets fan and lost all hope when they're down 3-1 to the favorites to win the title and then game seven was like a fever dream. It, you know, I mean, they just blew them out. It was like, is this yeah. really happening? It's like a victory parade. Yeah, so the Nuggets away with it over the last yeah. five minutes of that game, which was wild. It, incredible. So both were like, wow. I, I, it was almost worse suffering the last 30 years for this moment. I, I almost would have loved a co-winner for this one because both really meant a lot more than what they are on a tweet, you know. Yeah, you know, the Larry Walker thing, like Harrison said, it's the first time ever that a Rocky's gotten in. It's like a high watermark. But at the same time, this is only the second time ever that the Nuggets made the conference finals, right? There wasn't anything in the 70s or 80s I missed. So uh, even though this wasn't first ever, you're also matching that high watermark. It's not like this isn't some big deal 
that's happening on this side too. And I do think that it's a toss up and probably the toughest decision I had to make. And I did give it to the nuggets just because it was something that was on the court. I could watch it. And I guess I could have watched the Larry Walker thing. And in hindsight, I really <laughs> wish I did. Everybody else really enjoyed it. Um, but it, I think that that goes into the moment thing though, is that the, the Rockies fans who watched, I, I totally, I, I bet that was huge. I remember seeing the videos at Blake street tavern everybody's watching Nuggets game seven and, and it kind of sucks that that's how it happened. But in terms of the moment, I think that that carries just a little bit of weight too. I think, I, I, I think that this is, it's, it's, it sucks that I keep coming down on like not the Nuggets side. Cause it sounds like I'm constantly against them. It's just that I, the, the weight of history is not with the Nuggets here. It was a great moment, and it was a great moment for a franchise that's accomplished almost nothing in its existence against another franchise that's also accomplished almost nothing in its existence. Like it was, it was two, it was two franchises that have frankly been kind of pathetic over their lifespan, and it 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 was like a featherweight fight, and we put all the importance on it because the Clippers, for the first time ever, felt like the Lakers. You know, and and when they were up 3-1 and all the talking they did and all the yapping and it was just, it was obnoxious. And to to punch the bully in the mouth and then stand over him like they did at the end of game seven, just as a lifelong sports fan, that's a gratifying moment. And you know, you know, as a sports fan, you almost never get that moment. It's so rare. But the Larry Walker thing is history. That's forever. Like that's like the Nuggets, the Nuggets won a game to go to advance around. They didn't get to the finals. They didn't win the championship. They they got out of the second round. Like Yahoo. You know, like it's a big deal for the franchise, but historically speaking, it's a footnote. It only mattered because they came back from three one. That's the only reason it'll be remembered outside of Denver was because of the back to back three ones. Otherwise, like Larry Walker getting into the Hall of Fame, but that's, as Drew said, that's the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. And it took years of fan-driven, like, boots-on-the-ground work to build up to this. You know, all of the the work that people did in trying to win over old-school baseball writers who just didn't respect Larry Walker for whatever reason. Best exemplified by Peter Gammons going on national television, like the morning of, and saying, I regret not voting for him. Oh my God, I hope I'm not the reason that he doesn't get in. Because I had some asinine reason at the time of, well, he didn't play enough because he was hurt too much, that it could have forever tarnished Larry, could have forever cheapened Larry Walker's legacy. Like it was the it came down to six guys that they were able to win win over over the course of a decade long process. They ended up getting they pushed just the six guys across. It was it was there was so much history and there was so much like the Coors Field bias and the Walker bias and the Colorado Rockies like league wide. It will not be viewed as a validation of of the Rockies as a franchise. It'll be viewed as a validation of Larry Walker's career. But for all of us who well, have followed the Rockies and all of us who have followed all of this, it was a total validation of our mere yes. existence. So it count. meant everything. 
It meant everything. And I think that it sucks that it just got buried because everybody's pissed at the Rockies. <laughs> and, like, oh. rightfully so, of course. Sure. But to, to not be able to separate those two things and give, I think, Walker the proper historical due, I think that's a bummer. It's a good thing it's just a goatee. He's, in, he's forever in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and that's a good way to put perspective on things, AJ. Um, a reminder that we are presented by Breckenridge Brewery. With that, I think we're ready to move on from the goatees. That was a phenomenal show for a not-so-phenomenal year. Here's a popping a Breck brew to 2021. Um, but, you know, thank you to everyone who put work in that and thank you all for tuning in and participating um yeah this debate really got me ready for some 2021 goatees where you know deshaun watson's fighting george payton for a newcomer of the year that's going to be great Is, great and, stuff yeah you're going to get nominated again for newcomer. <laughs> it's a trey adams way it's our <laughs> tradition no, yes no, no, no. Uh, every year it's going to be bobo he's not a newcomer by... either he's been around that's what i'm saying year so <laughs> oh i hate it maybe to make all parties happy we just call it the mpj award <laughs> in, <laughs> in his honor right? <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um so i hope you're all ready for who won the week because we are getting into that on the other side of this do you or anyone you know need a job because Green Mountain Dental is looking for an experienced office manager bookkeeper. This is a salary position with great benefits. The office manager's role is to organize and coordinate administrative duties and office procedures. This job requires 10 years of office manager experience. Other duties include preparing payroll, monthly financials, experience with a variety of office software, ordering dental supplies, handling marketing and advertising, supervising staff, etc., this team is an incredible group of people to work with. Please call them today. If you or anyone you know is interested, call 303-988-0711 or head to their website, greenmountaindentalgroup.com. Further information, we've had several DMVR listeners switch over. Check them out. They are our dentist of choice. So Green Mountain Dental, check them out. Give those good folks your business. They will take care of you. Okay, it, uh, I mentioned that not an eventful week in Denver sports, but who won the week? Allie, do you have music for us? As far as I know, music is playing right now. You hear it. None of no, us hear it. I have music this time, I promise. Lay it on me. Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up the creek? Let's see. Who won the week? Voila, that's uh, what a jam. That's shorter than I remembered it. Um, <laughs> but, but delightful nonetheless. Uh, I really, I, I feel like I am punishing people by picking who to go first on this Who Won the Week. Once again, I am in anxious anticipation to see what DC has in store for us today. It's yeah. been like since since DDSP started, he's had nothing to win the week with his beat. So we'll go to a we'll start us off with AJ so uh Mr. Creaseman can prepare for something. 
Uh, okay, I guess the Avs won the week just, just because they, you know, they they came back from uh, their COVID break. They went one and one. They won. They split in Vegas against the best home team uh, in the league, and okay. they're getting ready to play outdoors. And they're getting up to five regulars back tomorrow, including mm-hmm. as everybody has been shocked to learn, Sam Gerrard. So, Makar, mm-hmm. Jost, Calvert, Landeskog, Gerrard, all potentially coming back tomorrow. The Avs win the week. They won games. They got healthy. The, the Avs win the week because they played hockey and they're going to play well, hockey. <laughs> many arguments to be made. Is that your argument, Drew? Because a- Ali didn't to start the time on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, solid argument. <laughs> I do not mind that at all. Um, Harrison, I think your task is a little harder because these nuggets, uh, you know, but I, I know there's a couple angles you can pick no here. No way. So His is easy. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, Go ahead, Mr. Wind. Uh, yeah, this won the week. away for the Nuggets this week. Nikola Jokic won the week, voted in as an all-star starter. Ooh. This is a massive deal. This is a massive, massive deal. First Nuggets starter in the all-star game since Carmelo Anthony in 2011. First time Jokic has obviously been voted in as a starter. Third year in a row, he's been an all-star. And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. This is the same guy who was being brought off the bench his second season for Yusef Nurkic. Um his rise is unbelievable. And being an all-star starter, that's a huge deal. A huge deal. The fifth most fan votes in the entire wow. league. That's unbelievable. And a happy birthday to him as well. Nikola yeah. Jokic. That's a, that's a tough one to beat, uh, Hank. I'm uh, You too. I, I don't know if you have the easiest task at hand here. Oh, well, uh, I do. Because (laughs) while all the other teams in the NFL have been making mistake after mistake, going after Carson Wentz, going after Matt Stafford, the Broncos have sat back. They bided their time. The odds keep improving. The the options are narrowing down. Some sports books who will remain unnamed on this show uh, are saying that the Broncos are plus 150 favorites to land Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL that means they they won the week. There you go. They love me shit because my argument is the Avs played hockey and will play hockey, and the Broncos' argument is other teams did stuff. They didn't basketball things that other teams did. Yeah, no, and it's working out. It's all setting up perfectly. Deshaun Watson has to go somewhere. And the Buffs basketball has lost two straight. Buffs football has done absolutely nothing. The Broncos are my option, and Deshaun Watson is available. Well, he will be, probably. Where do I go to to get a show where Henry talks and there's a camera on AJ reacting? (laughs) (laughs) I want that greenlit. Yes. That's a a sitcom all by itself. Yeah, that's our our new most popular show, those two. Two Um, camera sitcoms. (laughs) Totally. Uh, So, wow. Uh, The abs for getting healthy, not playing hockey, but kind of playing hockey. Nikola Jokic for just being amazing. The Denver Broncos for not trading for Carson Wentz and now for becoming being... favorites. Honestly, for becoming favorite. favorites. Okay, this and all right. Here we go. The the the. I mean, the our this hero right here from our hero. The moment the people want to see Drew Creaseman. What do you have for us, my friend? 
look, folks, it's not about what you actually believe was the moment of the week. It's about the argument, right? So we've got mm. the Avs for being a hockey team, the Broncos yes. for not doing anything at all, yep. and the yeah. Nuggets because the best player in the NBA is going to be an all-star. Kyle Freeland won the week because he became the leader of the Colorado Rockies this week, came out with strong emphatic quotes to the media about being a snake in the grass about being overlooked and underrated all the things you want to hear from a guy no the rockies aren't going to be good but they're going to start to move in the right direction with these young players but i can't this thing's Time. freezing all over on me i can't see <laughs> whatever man these guys are talking about just existing out here kyle freeland won the week yeah the was it not part of my argument that the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> won a hockey game this week? Did that happen? <laughs> against okay, their right, against enough. their prime rival in Vegas? I, I am uh, glad Kyle Freeland is is gonna try this season. Um, yeah, I'm I'm he's gonna, gonna put it really hard, Harris. Wow, Harris. I'm glad that Kyle Freeland is emphatic. Very I'm emphatic. glad that Kyle Freeland knows how to talk to the media. Yeah. The rest Someone of his organization, organization. Could learn a thing. <laughs> okay. How uh, should I phrase this, Hank? Top dash contenders for Deshaun Watson? Uh, favorites for Deshaun Denver? Watson. Favorites, okay. Betting yeah. favorites, not real world favorites. Betting, betting favorites. favorites. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, if you want to throw that caveat on too. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, presented by Breckenridge Brewery, I remind you. Um, who won the week last week? Yeah. We didn't have a poll. Controversial. We didn't have a poll. Harrison, I was looking at the game log. I think last week the argument should have been made for Zeke Naji. Well, I mean, half of our voters on Twitter don't know who Zeke Naji is, so I'm, I'm trying to play the crowd. TDSP was early, so Zeke hadn't even shown up yet. The mm. Zeke breakout wasn't even. I'm adding. I'm adding Zeke as my option. Um, and uh, screw you, Twitter people who don't even know who he is. Shame on you, frankly. Okay, well, best of luck, folks, because Ali will be back next week to uh, exalt the winner and punish the losers, as she always does. This has been a pleasure for me to host you all. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Again, we are presented by Breckenridge Brewery. We will catch you next week. Have a great weekend, folks. Oh, is it oh, doing that again? Me? Oh, is it doing that again? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're just, we're just oh, ending. Oh, Allie. Bye.